0: I get shivers every time I see that video. Juan, he was playing guitar. He did it. It's amazing. Well, Tila Ministry School, if you don't know what it is, is a one-year program. We're starting an official one-year program this September that is going to be one night a week of classes, one night a week of serving here at Tehillah, and one day, a few hours at your local church, business, nonprofit. And what it is designed to do is equip and raise up leaders here in our city. So you're going to hear a lot more about that tonight because we're going to invite up the Tehillah Ministry School leadership team, and uh, we're going to have a little panel tonight. So what it's going to look like, it's going to be a little bit different. It's not going to be your traditional message. It's going to be a conversation. And what the topic of conversation we felt to have is on the topic of revival. Slap your neighbor and say, revival. Wow. Revival. And we're going to have an amazing discussion about it. And what it's going to look like is it's going to look like an honest, open discussion. And I'm going to share a little bit of the reason why we want to talk about this and have the discussion is because 2 Peter 2.9 says that it is God's desire that no man should perish, or woman. It says none, sorry. None should perish. I'm going to say that again. 2 Peter 2.9 says God's desire is that none should perish. So the reason why I want to talk about revivals is because if we actually are going to see God's desire fulfilled, the only way I am convinced of is if we see a revival occur. We're going to talk about what that is, but we want to actually share why revival. If you haven't noticed, if you look at statistics, in Canada in the 70s and 80s, about 30% of people used to go to church on a Sunday morning mid-2000s, early 2000s, 2000, 2003, 4, 5, it went down to 21% of people attended church on a Sunday morning. Now, it's around 50, 12, 13, 15% of people attend church on a Sunday morning here in Canada. Now, that would say to me that that isn't seeing God's desire fulfilled. Now, does it mean that, oh, you have to go to church on Sunday to be a Christian? No, but... One of the things that Jesus said and the apostles said is do not neglect the gathering of the saints. Now there's an aspect of health that shows when people are gathered in community. Now I know the church has a lot of issues and I know that we don't have it all together. We're not perfect at what we do here in church. I'll be the first person to admit that. But a sign of health is when people that are Christians say I want to gather with other Christians to be encouraged, to be filled up, and to be sent back out to see God's desire fulfilled, which is that none should perish. Will people perish? Yes. Is that God's desire? No. It's his desire that none should perish. And again, the only way we're going to see it, the only way we're going to see the the statistics or the, the curve of where the church is going in Canada turn around is only by a supernatural move of God. I'm convinced of that. I'm convinced that the only way that we're going to see people flooding into the church is because of God's power. I'm convinced the only way we're going to see people at our work saying what is different about you is because of God's power. I'm convinced the only way we're going to see the church turn around and get on an upward trajectory is only by God's power. And we need it. I need it. The church in Calgary, the church in Alberta, the church in Canada needs it so, 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 so badly. We do. Because we want to see, I know you want to see, we all want to see that none should perish. That nobody would not know the love of God. That nobody would not have the experience and knowledge and relationship with God. I know that's all of our desire in here. That's my assumption at least. That we all want to see everyone come to know God. But here's the struggles that we've, we've, what the churches ended up leaning on in past, and especially nowadays, we've leaned on strategy. Yeah, we're going to strategize how to do this. We've leaned on great stages, lights, and cool music. We've leaned on, we've leaned on amazing communicating and, and cool, cool, whatever people up, up here on stage. We've leaned on, 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 on oh, we gotta, We got to do this, this, and this. we got to have this feel when people come in. we gotta, we got we to gotta make sure that every single person gets a connect card, that we can then follow up with them and get them in a small group. We've leaned on strategy. Now, am I saying that is wrong? No. I, if you know me, I'm a strategy guy. I love planning out how we can reach more people. But there's this verse in Zechariah 2, verse 4. It says, not by might not by power, but by my spirit, declares the Lord. And again, the church has sometimes leaned on our own might or our own power, but God's saying, no, 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 no. The only way you're gonna see the church turn around is if I pour out my spirit. Now, am I saying that God's not doing things here in Canada today? No, not at all. But what I am desiring for is that he would do more, is that he would pour out his spirit, here in Calgary, here at Tehillah, wherever your local church gathers, whatever church that you're from, that is my desire. And I just came back from a couple of weeks of camp, so I am fired up about this. We had a youth camp with almost 500 students there, and let me tell you, I saw a glimpse of of revival. Let me tell you two quick stories. We had uh, what is called a fire tunnel. We haven't had one at Tahila in a long time. But basically what it is, is a bunch of leaders get around and we pray and lay hands and prophesy, speak words of knowledge, pray for healing on every single camper that goes through this line. And there was this, Andy. Andy, Andy, Andy you want to come tell this story? I'm going to put you on the spot. Everybody, welcome up, Angie! I put you on the spot. You said you wanted to preach, so here you go. Here you go.
1: Gosh. (laughs) Hey, guys. So I basically had no, like, job at camp. I just went because my husband was playing. So I just, like, told God, like, oh, I don't want to feel useless, right? So I literally just went to put Ollie to bed. And when I came back, they were doing this fire tunnel. And back home where I come from, like, I've never seen anything like this, right? So I, like, came in and asked Andrew, like, what is this? Like, this looks so funny. In my brain, I'm like, this is weird, you know? Like, I kind of, like, underestimated it, and then I was just, like, worshipping, and then I saw this gap in the tunnel, so I was like, okay, I'm just gonna go and, like, keep worshipping, you know? So this one little, like, the one girl in front of me, she was praying for all of them. I was just, like, laying hands on them, and then all of a sudden, I had this, like, pain in my back, uh, if you're a mom, it was kind of like a contraction. It was really bad, so yeah, I heard a lot, right? You would know so <laughs> so then I went and looked for mandy she's a youth pastor at uh, Bennington, so I just said, "Mandy, you need to pray for me it's like so painful right now, and all of a sudden, as soon as I started praying, the pain like I start feeling the pain, so she prayed over me and said, "Well, you need to find someone with." Uh, pain in their back just pray that the the Lord will show you kind of thing so I like literally like okay I turn around start praying and as I looked my as I like looked away there this one girl in the line she was doing like this like she was showing pain so I'm like okay maybe that's her so I like as soon as she got near me I'm like hey where's your pain like are you in any pain where is it and she like point where my pain was So I'm like, okay, I started praying for her, and all of a sudden, I just felt this, like, love for her. So I literally just hugged her, and we both started crying. If you know me, I'm a crier, but, like, I was, like, crying, and she was crying. And as you can tell, I have an accent. I was born in Colombia, so my English isn't very fluent when I pray. I'd rather just pray in Spanish. It's easier. Um, but literally, I was praying for her, and I felt like English was my first language. I was so fluent. It was crazy. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to keep praying for her. And anything I was saying, she kept crying. And, like, she would like, you know, like, when you are praying, someone prays over you and say something that's on spot, you, like, cry more. So it was literally like that. And then, anyways, I had to, like, took her away, keep praying for her. And then as I turn around, um, James' sister, Jenna... She's like, where are you going? You have to go through the tunnel. I'm like, oh, my gosh, okay. So then I went through the tunnel, and it was really special. Anyways, I was, like, very, you know, touched by the spirit. And at the end of the night, I was looking for Janelle. Janelle, she's sitting there. She was this girl's counselor. So as soon as I, like, go there to, like, check on her, she was telling her that everything I prayed for was Like, everything she was struggling with kind of thing. I wouldn't know. Like, Janelle would know more of this story. But anyways, as soon as I finished praying for her, my pain went away. So, her pain went away, away too. And I just, like, kept praying over her. You're free. Please don't go back. I I don't know why I was saying that. I, like, don't know this girl. I don't even know her name, actually. But, um... Like, I'm not this kind of person, you know? So it was really nice to see how God used me when I went to camp feeling useless. So, she, like, God didn't, didn't only do something on her, but also on me, right? So, yep.
0: Yeah. Come on. Thank you, Angie. And here's the thing. If we don't start seeing more things like that occur in our lives by the power of the Spirit... I'm just saying that that percentage is probably going to keep going down. So we want to talk about revival because we want to know, one, how to contend for it, what part we play in it, how we can actually um, usher it in and be carriers of revival, and how we can steward it well. So right now, I'm gonna invite up the amazing Tila Ministry team. If you guys wanna come up to the stage, this is the incredible team that launched it. Come on up, come on up, come on up. Don't be shy. Let's give them a big round of applause. You and, uh, guys, And then we will ask, I'll ask you one quick question to loosen things up and then we'll go from there. Sound good? All right, to my left. I'm Jen jen is the director of tila ministry school and she is a legend
2: jen. and
0: uh you'll hear some stories from her tonight next i'm nadia come on i'm aj aj i'm Raf.
3: fuego <laughs> I'm, I'm daniel F-
0: daniel okay so we're also going to take some q a at the end the way we're going to receive those questions is on the Tehila. Instagram, send us a DM, and we will ask some of the questions. So the first question that I have to ask is twofold, just to hear a little bit of, maybe just about you, would be, what is the craziest God encounter you have had, and what's the wildest miracle you have ever seen? Who wants to start? And we'll keep it like 30 seconds to a minute, just, just point form. Oh, my point. My gosh. Um, Dan is going to start. He's always going to start us off. He's, he's the <laughs> talker.
3: Okay. There was one time where I was, I was actually in L.A., and I was in, uh, on Santa Monica Pier. And uh, I was walking on this, uh, this pier, and um, a pier, like, you know, like the... the a dock. The dock, yeah. Pier, you're probably right. Probably a better way of saying that. Sorry, guys. <laughs> we knew what you were no. saying. <laughs> okay. All good. I'm glad. Um, and I, um, I actually asked a friend of mine, she was this girl, we were just kind of doing um, some, outre- uh, some outreach, and she was quite nervous. So I asked her, I was like, hey, like, try and get a word of knowledge, and like, I'll just go up to the next person that I see, and like, I'll ask what you think that they have. And she was like, okay, and it kind of took the pressure off of her. So anyways, she, she told me that she thought she was going to meet a guy named... I can't even remember his name, I, it's written down, uh, Eric. And um, anyways, so I walk up to like these four guys, they actually kind of big, and I say, hey, is one of your guys' name Eric? And he's like, yeah, and I'm like, cool. And I was like, hey man, I just wanna tell you that God loves you so much, and he actually brought me to this pier, <laughs> or dock, to, just to tell you that. And uh, as that happened, I got this, a little bit of a similar thing to Angie, a little bit of a pain. Um, in, on or not my chest yet, just in an area. And I asked him if he had pain in that area and he told me he did. And so I was like, hey, like me and my friend, can we just pray for you? We just want to declare healing in the name of Jesus. And we, we did that and a certain thing happened that was healing number one. Then his friend was like, what the heck? Are you serious? He's like, I just like messed up my ankle the other day. He's like, can you pray for that? So both of us like ended up praying for that ankle as well. And immediately it got healed in an instant right there as well. So then, at that moment, I was like, wow, this is really cool. And I got to share the gospel with them. and got to tell them about Jesus. I wasn't uh, trying to put any pressure on them to, like, receive Jesus as Lord or anything like that. But I just wanted to let them know what was happening and what was going on. And in that moment as well, uh, we're going back to Eric. I, I got this, like, feeling on my chest. And it was this thing of, like, sharp pain. I, look, I looked at them. I was like, hey do one of you guys happen to have like, I don't know, maybe it's like a heart problem or like some sort of like bone problem in like your chest, like kind of right here. And this Eric guy immediately looks up at me he's like, what the heck is going on? He's like, yeah, when I was younger, like I was in a, uh, I was playing football, like American football, not, not the real football. Um, hey, 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 <laughs> hey, hey, hey. <laughs> No, real, f- wow. England guys. I grew up in England, if you guys don't know that about me. Um, and is uh, there any English people here? Yeah, bro, come on. Love it. Um, The one Englishman. (laughs) I think I know you as well, which is great. (laughs) Everybody knows each other in England. Um, and he looks at me and he's like, I got, I got an injury when I was like playing um, football when I was younger. And like, I haven't ever actually been able to like move my shoulder and like kind of my chest in the same way. So I actually got his friends who had just gotten, to, uh, gotten healed. they got his friends to pray for him with me there as well. And we prayed for him and immediately he started throwing his, uh, he felt heat. He started throwing his shoulder around. He's like, this is insane. And so I pretty much just got to leave that and we'll on. leave it there. It was a great wow. cool experience. wow. Yeah. So if you ever just get
0: a random pain in your body, ask the Lord. God, what are you trying to show me right now? Alright. Who's next? Craziest encounter with God or wildest miracle you've seen. Go.
4: I uh I so I've been a Christian my entire life, but a lot of like things like miracles and experiences with God were all uh new for me about eight years ago. Um but it all like me and my friends had no experience for it, no uh, understanding of it, no. We'd never seen anything, heard anything, experienced anything, or anything like, like that. But I, I remember praying this one night, and um, at this time I was quite involved in evangelism and outreach. And I remember praying, and I went into the prayer chapel that was on my Bible college, and I went in there, and I just started, and I started praying, and then I just hit the floor. And I went into this vision, and I was in this in this room. And to give a little context, at the time I was really doubting um, the point of outreach, the point of evangelism, didn't see a lot of fruit, stuff like that. So, but this, I hit the floor, and I went into this vision, and I was in this room, and all around the room, from the ceiling or from the floor to the ceiling, were just like skulls. And all of a sudden, this the ground started shaking, and this. This light burst into the room, knocked me over in the vision, and the light just started shining around the room. And as the light uh shone around the room, um all the all the skulls started like flesh started to grow on all the skulls, and they all started to come alive. And I just heard this loud voice that's saying, Don't give up, keep shining the light. Don't give up, keep shining the light. Wow, keep shining the light. And that, like, even today, I still, that vision, that encounter still is, like, my encouragement to continue sharing my faith, whether I see things, whether I see people healed, Come whether on. I see people repent or not. I continue to do that. Um, so that was my greatest encounter.
0: Wow. Come on. That's amazing. Different. Come on. I love it.
2: Um, I was living in California a few years ago and i i was experiencing migraines to the point that i couldn't go out of a dark room i was missing work it was going on for about i think it was about a month it could have been longer but i lived in a really small town and ev- like everyone in my community knew that i was like just in this situation i knew it felt spiritual but i didn't really understand why it was happening and i was praying every day and my community was like gathering around me and i had it was just like Anytime I'd move out of a dark room, it was pain that I just had never felt before. And I got to the point that I was just, I was, I didn't know what to do. Like, I couldn't go to work. There was, it was stopping me from doing so many things. And I was about to be moving down to Mexico um, for a few months. And it felt like I was going to have to cancel my plans. Like, it was just, it was a lot. Um, One day, there was a team coming to my church Um, from Redding, California, from Bethel. And they, we just all gathered. I think it was just a Tuesday night. They were coming into town. We gathered. um, And they were focusing on words of knowledge. And I was like, this is it. (laughs) I'm getting healed. I'm going here and I'm getting healed. Um, And they went through all the words of knowledge. It was probably about two hours. Um, I was sitting there and I was like, I know I'm getting healed. Maybe it's just not tonight. Um, I still like held on to that, but every, they were just about to finish. Everything was over, and then the teacher came out, and she was like, "Okay, we have a really shy student that didn't want to talk publicly. She didn't want to share. Um, she almost didn't share it at all. Um, but she just felt really strongly there was someone in the room that had migraines, and it was like the whole room pointed at me, <laughs> and they were just it was." Immediately, I got released of migraines, and I've never had one since.
0: Wow! Yeah. And you live in Calgary. Chinooks happen. How that happen. Must be the Lord. Jen Raff, who's next? Yeah,
5: that's me. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Yeah. Guys, um, having an encounter oh, right man. now. I'm gonna try to talk right now. <laughs>
0: He's a little drunk ooh. in the spirit. That's okay.
5: So um, I've had lots of crazy encounters, man, like crazy encounters. But one that just came up uh, to my mind was when uh, I was, uh, oh yeah, <laughs> I was uh, I was eighteen. I was playing like in this uh, large camp, and for those who don't know, my my father, he's a pastor, so. Wow, man, I grew up in a church, so, um, yeah. happens all the time, don't worry. Sorry. Um, (laughs) So, uh, I was actually drumming this uh, big, big camp. Um, Maybe we had uh, close to uh, 1,500 people, Um, and then I had a sub, so I was drumming, I had a sub, and doing the... after the preacher, he was saying, like, I really feel like for the altar call, he was saying that I really feel like we should press in for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So, although I was a pastor kid, I was pretty much at the church all the time. I was contending for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes I would see people around me getting baptized, receiving the gift of tongues. But I did and And I was like, God, what about me? Like, I really want, I, I really want to receive this. And, um... So maybe I prayed for uh, five years. Um, and on that night, man, I remember like the, the, the pastor, he was saying like, Holy Spirit, just ask you for a double portion of your presence in this place here. Uh, let's suppose this was the place. And um, man, I, was, I asked myself, I was like, why don't you go and play? Because I'm going to the front. So I went to the front. No one laid hands on me. No one anointed me with oil, but the Holy Spirit, the fire of God, the power of God just came upon me. Man, I remember, like I, I, I began to speak in a different language. That like the, the the meeting was over, and then I don't, I, I went to my my bedroom, still like shaking and speaking in tongues. So it was just like powerful, and I can feel it even now. His presence, come on, um, yeah. So this was like. Like a taping, like a defining moment in my life when, like, the fire of God just came uh, on, on me, man. It's just like, come on,
0: yeah, just pray for everyone right now, Raph. And I,
5: and actually, like, the for the crazy miracle, I'm just gonna say that I saw like a migraines as well, just being healed in the middle of like worship. Like, as soon as the worship was over, uh, someone was just saying that. She was struggling with migraines. I really feel like there is an anointing for that. Even just release right now. Even if you have, if you're in a room right now, if you have migraines, anybody um, struggle with migraines? Just, can you just lift your hands, just so then I can see? Yeah, I can see a hand. Yeah, I can Come see. On. I can see your hand. Yeah, I can see. Yeah, I can see your hand over there. If you're in the balcony, the, yeah, God sees yeah. your hand. Yeah, I can see that, Father. Even now, I declare healing in Jesus' name. Yeah. Amen. Come on, Jeanette.
6: Wow. Um, I'm going to share uh, some of the things that I have seen in my life uh, for experiences. So I did TMC back in the day, and we actually went and prayed for someone that was raised from the dead. Uh I went to Pensacola um, and was able to be a part of Brownsville there, and we saw a ton of healings, people speaking in tongues, miracles, um, gifts, and shaking of the Spirit, I guess. Wow. I would say... Back into healing in the day, we used to see a lot of healings as well, so um, we've seen people get up and walk. With Billy Smith, I saw a man in a wheelchair literally get up and walk out of his chair. At youth camp last week, we sent a kid to the hospital that had wrecked his thumb, and it was like all bleeding inside. He came back, he took the sling thing or whatever it was off his hand, and he was healed. And on the other side, I saw this beautiful girl that had come to camp, and she had... So much anxiety in her life that she couldn't, in the first night she was in her room, almost in hysterics, just huffing and puffing and trying to get her breath. Um, and Danielle, I guess, would be a witness to this because she was there too. But when she left camp, she had this smile on her face because God had come and encountered her and helped her with an- her anxiety. Come on. So this new level of joy that she walked in, so... Whether it's being raised from the dead or it's God coming and giving you joy in your life, it doesn't matter if it's big or small or little. I would just say God is a God of miracles and healing and love and joy, and he's there for everyone Come in whatever Come on, amen, that is. amen,
0: amen. All right, so let's just get to the topic. What is revival? What is it? What is revival? Somebody answer for me.
3: Hey, uh, Nadia, you should answer that.
2: Put on the spot. Um, I was Googling revival today.
0: (laughs) So she knows what it it is. Because Siri knows knows everything.
2: Um, And I was really interested. Like, I feel like I've heard that word a lot. And, like, the school that I went to is really focused on revival. So I've heard the word so many times. But I was really interested to know that when um, I Googled it, it means... Okay, hold on. Now I have to remember. Um... Oh, I, sen- I sent it to. Them. <laughs> no, that's mine. Where is it?
6: It's the top one, I think. It's in there somewhere.
0: Please hold. There. Holding.
2: Where? Yeah. Maybe it's not. Um, I'm. One second.
0: The Wait, definition of far? revival Thank that you. I found is to improve the condition or strengthening of something. There
2: you go. Yeah, so to improve the condition. Like, I was just shocked by that because I was like, it, it didn't actually talk about signs and wonders. It didn't actually talk about gold dust or, or any of that. Um, and then it caused me to think, if we're not improving the condition of something, is it revival?
0: Hello. Anybody else chime in? I think,
4: um, for me, when I think of the word revival... The word "revive" comes to mind, yeah. and uh, I. Whenever I think about that, I. I, I used to work uh, on the streets of Vancouver, um, where there's a lot of addiction, lots of um, overdoses, and I've seen a lot of people who are overdosed and they've stopped breathing, and I've given them a naloxone or Narcan, and it brings them back up, and immediately they're they're awake in this like life is all of a sudden back in their life and in their body and so I I equate that when I think of revival I think of that and I think that when you think of being revived the Bible says that we were dead in our sins but we've been made alive in Christ so that means you're revival I'm revival we are revival we like we are revived we're alive people which means we're supposed to bring change I read this article once that said revival doesn't exist because revival is actually normal Christianity you just see it in scripture, it's just what we're supposed to live like.
0: Hello. Okay. Yeah, you can clap for that. Okay, controversial question. You know, uh, Jen said raised from the dead and shaking. Nadia said gold dust. Uh, wh- why, why does revival seem to just get a bit weird? Does anybody, have anybody ever asked that question themselves? Like, it's just a little bit weird sometimes. Like, what's a fire tunnel? I don't know what that is. That doesn't fit my theology. Why, why, why is that? Why does it maybe get a bit weird sometimes?
5: Um, that's an interesting question. Uh, I think we as
0: The reason why I want to ask this question is because... The reason why a lot of times people can shy away from revival is because it does get weird. So that's why I want to bring it up. So answer the question.
5: <laughs> yeah. I think in those moments, we should ask the Holy Spirit, like, what, what are you doing? Like, just reveal your love to me. Like, what's, show me the fruit coming out of that. Um, because uh, even Jesus, man, he did crazy stuff, you know, like, and if we, we as Christians, if we'd have that mindset that everything could offend us, we would be offended by Jesus as well if we would be living with him. So I think uh, there is, like, a level of, like, spiritual maturity that God is calling us to come to this place, top of the mountain. that would see him moving instead of, like, looking what's happening in the room, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So then why, why do sometimes when we go after revival do we seek, some to, or not all of us, but why do we sometimes seek those things?
3: Why is that? Um, why do we seek after manifestations? Is that your, your question?
0: Yeah, like when, when oh, yeah, this is what revival is, like gold dust and jewels and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Like, why do people sometimes tend to gravitate towards those things?
3: Well, sometimes maybe people do have an, an incorrect definition of what revival is. I'd probably take a look I'm more in agreement with what AJ um, is talking about and just the idea of, like, um the reviving of of people into the reality of who we're supposed to be as the bride of Christ. Um, Kind of going back to the the original question, like, why does it get weird? And kind of in the sense of, like, why do we then try and chase after manifestations? Like, I did write down a few things just because, like, this is a topic I kind of have on my heart uh, because I've gotten to see some very wild things, but I'll I'll be honest in the sense that I've also been in some situations where it's very, very, very dead. (laughs) And you're just like, man... I wish, I wish that we could catch an understanding of how much God wants to do in this place, but there's just, like, these walls up because people are so afraid of what revival can look like. Um, my answer to it immediately is, have you read the Bible? There is some weird stuff in the Bible. Like, like there is there's a prophet that was told by God to take cow poo and roll around in it like that's actually in the bible
0: <laughs> another prophet was told to live naked for a year <laughs>
3: yeah <laughs> like there's there's many things that like don't necessarily fit within like our this, box our box and um, the the statement that i usually throw back at people is like you can't judge the manifestation but you can you can judge the fruit so, like, what is the fruit of this manifestation? And there's this story, if, uh, if I have time to share it. It's, um, it's a guy named Dan, Dan McCollum He's an amazing, amazing uh, speaker and, and uh, just a uh, speaker on the prophetic. And he talks about, uh, he used to be kind of one of those guys who was in, like, the, um, there's, like, this large, kind of large-scale church gatherings revival happening. And he'd be one of the guys that was holding on to, like, the main preacher as he was walking around. And he was, like, kind of, like, touching people. And some of these people would, like, fly across the room and so on so forth. And there was this one guy that would, um, when the Holy Spirit came upon him, the way that he responded, and, and the controversial word that some of you guys, when you hear it, the word manifest, the way he would manifest is he would begin to cluck like a chicken. <laughs> he would start clucking around the room like a chicken. And so many people in that room became extremely skeptical of what was going on in him. They're like, there's no way the Holy Spirit would manifest him, manifest him can't talk anymore, <laughs> manifest, um, would manifest himself as a clucking chicken in someone. And eventually this, this guy, we'll call him Gary, um, the cluck, clucky chicken guy, clucky chicken Gary, he just stopped showing up. And he was no, no longer to be seen, and a bunch of, you know, these skeptics and these people were like, "Yo, that's that's what it was. It wasn't real. It wasn't a true manifestation of what Holy Spirit was doing, and he was just making it up, and it wasn't actually, like, it was all, like, he was just chasing after manifestations. That's all he was doing. And, you know, maybe I think, like, Dan McCollum tells the story, and he says, six months go by, and... Gary shows up again, and the Holy Spirit, like, comes upon him, and he starts clucking around like a chicken again. And all these people are like, clucky chicken guy is back. Like, what's going on? And they're immediately offended, immediately offended. And they're like, and so Dan McCollum, the guy who's, like, holding kind of the main preacher at this, at this stage, he walks over to Gary, and he's like, like, where have you been at for the last, like, six months? Like, what's going on? Like, you, you were used to be here, like, all the time. And Gary, clucky chicken guy, as I like to refer to him, if you haven't caught that already, Um, Gary says back to Dan, he's like, oh man, like I just got so deeply, uh, encountered by God while I was here in these meetings. And I just got so empowered in what the spirit wanted me to do. And he's like, I ended up going to a first nations tribe and I ended up just preaching the gospel to them. And I ended up seeing the whole entire tribe give their lives to Jesus. Wow. And, and immediately, (laughs) yeah, clucky chicken guy. The way, the way Dan McCollam, the guy who's telling this story, talks about Gary, he's like, he's like I couldn't believe the, the way that I had taken offense at the way Holy Spirit was working in his heart and the, the walls that I had put up because of it. And he kind of finishes his story. He's like, you know what? Like, if it'll get an entire tribe saved, like, I will cluck like a chicken all day long every, every day of the week for months. Because it doesn't, like, the truth of what Holy Spirit is doing doesn't necessarily lie in just in the manifestation in the moment, but the fruit of the longevity of what's, what's taking place right. in that moment. That's Does that good. make sense? That's good. So that's kind of my perspective.
6: I love the stories, and I've seen a lot of those things, and then on the other side of it, for me, I have been slain in the spirit once, but I don't often feel what's things... What's slain in the
0: spirit for those who don't know?
6: Oh. Well, someone prayed for me, and I hit the ground. This is like 15 years ago, probably. So one time occurrence. Anybody? I have. It was a regular occurrence back in the day. People would go through the fire tunnel and you just had no idea what would happen at the start and the end of it. We just pick them up and lay them all over the floor. Um, but I think when we talk about manifestations and stuff like that, God shows up differently to each person. So for In my experience, I haven't necessarily encountered those things, although I've seen them. So I think it's very individual to you in where you're at. And when he's talking about um, almost character, it's like character over gifting, and that's where the longevity piece comes in. And it's our walk with God, and it's what we take from those experiences and encounters and manifestations. And when we wake up the next day, what do we do with that? So how has God impacted our life? How are we going to do that today? How are we going to continue to build on that? And with revival, it talks about renewing and renewing of old things so you can read the Bible again and again and again and it's the renewing of your mind but you could get a new revelation every day so it's not even that it's something old it's something new and it's exciting with revival because you just never know what's coming
0: right 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 yeah exactly so what what's the starting point of it for a person
2: Prayer, intimacy with God Yeah. yeah I think that I was actually thinking about this earlier that revivals never got me out of bed in the morning. Like, that's not what gets me out of bed. It's it's knowing that I have intimacy with the creator of the universe that's constantly creating something brand new. And with everything that we do, he's speaking and creating something. And I I can live without signs and wonders. Like I can I can live without those manifestations if I know him and if he he's showing up for me in that way I believe that he's going to heal he's going to do all of those things and he's going to use me but it's only through relationship
4: there's uh two incredibly uh smart individuals by the name of Mark Sayers and John Mark Comer they have a podcast called this cultural moment and should um, listen to it yeah everyone should listen to it they talk about what culture is like now and Um, how we as a church should respond and mark sayers did a study on revival and he found out all the he found out several common themes about revival and how they started and when they started and who they started with and the first one is as nadia was saying is prayer it starts with one person praying Um, and the second thing i only remember the, the first two but the second one was that it's, it starts with people you don't expect. It's always someone that you're not expecting that is the, is the starting person of revival. Like back in the 1800s or 1700s, there's John Wesley, George Whitfield, and um, like, I don't remember exactly what they were, but they weren't originally like pastors. One of them was a lawyer at one point and stuff like that. And then something happened to them and it, and it changed. Um, Everything. So prayer is the most important one, and then it could start with any one of us or any one of you.
2: Just to add to that, I think it's possible to be in Revive without realizing it, Um, and and that is like the intimacy with God, the thanksgiving, um, having thanksgiving for what God's doing, but looking back years later and being like, man, it just felt close. Like, it just felt so close that things started to happen. But revival almost never looks the same as it was before. And it's really easy to look back and to be like, okay, we know we're in revival because this is what it's supposed to look like. But I think that it's constantly, it could look like family. It could look like a deeper place of closeness. And I think that it's really easy to, if it's coming out of just wanting to be closer to God and and seeing heaven invade earth, I believe that's revival.
0: Come on. That's good, Raf.
5: Um, yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think if we are looking to be revived, if we are willing to become revival, uh, we should pursue. We should walk with those people that they want to be. They want to be revival as well. Right. Um, like, uh, I'm not saying we should. Um, we should have only friendship with like those people that they are willing to have that. But there is a there is a principle principle principle, I think I'm saying it right, yep. a principle um, that like if you want to become like spiritual, just find friends that they want to be spiritual as well. You know, like if you want to start a business, you're gonna find someone that you know you, they want to start a business as well. You want to learn strategies, everything like that. But uh, I would say that having also friendships that uh, will take you to that. Like, who take you to, to be revived, you know? Because, like, even John Wesley, you know, like, he didn't, there was a point that he didn't believe, but he walked with um, the Moravians from uh, in Germany. That's when they came, he came to a point where he was like, Well, I don't have, like, I don't have, like, this confidence of, like, my salvation. And then, and then, like, it took him to that point that he had faith. He believed, you know. And then, then like, a great awakening came out of that. So, I think friendship plays a, a huge part as well.
0: So, personal intimacy with the Lord as well as getting around people. Um, you talked about John Wesley. He was one of, the, one of the guys that helped start the first great awakening. Uh, I just want to read a quick description of what the culture was like then and see if you guys notice any similarities with our culture today. So, the Great Awakening was a religious revival that impacted the English colonies in America during the 1730s and 1740s. The movement came at a time that the idea of secular rationalism was being emphasized, and passion for religion had grown stale. Christian leaders often traveled from town to town preaching about the gospel, emphasizing salvation from sins and promoting enthusiasm for Christianity. The result was a renewed dedication toward religion. Many historians believe that the Great Awakening had a lasting impact on various Christian denominations in American culture at large. In the 1700s, a European philosophical movement known as the Enlightenment, or the Age of Reason, was making its way across the Atlantic Ocean to the American colonies. Enlightenment thinkers emphasized a scientific and logical view of the world while downplaying religion. In many ways, religion was becoming more formal and less personal during this time, which led to low church attendance. Christians were feeling complacent in their methods of worship, and some were disillusioned on w- disillusioned with how wealth and rationalism were dominating culture. Many people began to crave a return to religious piety. Do you hear any of the similarities? So we can be in this spot. We can have this cultural moment that was very similar to the 1700s where rationalism, secularism, they're the dominant forces in our culture. But here's a question from the Instagram, Um, and basically the question will be, well, why do revivals end at the end? And I'll read it from, should I say, can I say who? No, never mind. It's anyways. As someone who's been around revival culture for quite a while, how do you respond to the fact that the majority of those who at one point in their life are burning for God, but once they leave the environment fizzle out? Why do revivals end? Why Why does it end in people?
6: I think this one is close to my heart because I've seen so many people leave after a revival or being hurt in it. And I think key in it is what they talked about before is character. I think when when you're going into revival, it's got to do with stewardship. It has to do with health. And a man can have a gifting and he can get up and he can prophesy over you. You can be healed through him through a gift but at the end of the day, it's are you walking with God, and what is your character, and how are you portraying the life of Christ in all of what you do? So you might sit here and be like be able to prophesy over some but You might walk out the door and be able to be having an affair on your husband or wife, and that to me isn't character. So I think In the midst of manifestations and seeing gold dust and the glory of God, you can get caught up in things and you can get caught up in people. But what you really need to be looking at is, God, what are you doing in my life, writing down and relaying it to scripture so that you've got this truth that you're constantly looking back on, that you're building your life on. And you're like, what would Jesus do in this? And you're modeling your life after him. You're not modeling after a man or an experience because... That's what's inside that's going to take you in the long run.
3: Yeah. Yeah, you can clap for that. Um, to kind of summarize that, like I've heard it said before, and I don't know really who to accredit uh, it to, but like it's the idea of that anointing and gifting will like get you through the door, but character will sustain you uh, to continue to operate in what you are. Um,
0: yeah. So you guys saying revival ends because of a lack of character, a lack of, or, or a, 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 you're leaning more on gifting than your actual integrity?
2: I think that that's part of it. I think there's many components to it. Um, I think sometimes in the past we've seen some, like, like guy wants to do something and he wants to fall on a nation or he wants to fall on a group of people but it's fallen on the few when it was intended to fall on the many and when a few pick up something that was intended for the many it it will fall it's not sustainable
4: Yeah I think it's like a combination of like I don't think that a lot of those people who ended up having bad character started that way like I don't think they were they weren't necessarily already behaving in ways that they shouldn't have but I think there's this idea in, in like revival culture or charismatic culture or just like people who want revival of this idea of you got to strike when the iron's hot and that means if something breaks out you need to sustain that and you need to start meeting every night and no one gets to sleep, no one does anything and then it just kind of fizzles out because people get burnt out. When people get burnt out, when people get tired, their guards go down and they start indulging in things that they wouldn't have normally indulged in and I think like someone Someone that I, um, my biggest influence in my life currently and revivalist that I look up to is someone named, by the name of uh, Apostle Damon Thompson. He's a revivalist in North Carolina or South Carolina, but North Carolina, and he, um, he moved to this tiny church in the middle of nowhere. They don't even have a hotel and revival broke out. And they meet, they have revival meetings once a month Friday, Saturday, and then they have their church service on Sunday. People drive hours to be there on that weekend. People, um, people have been moving to that city like crazy, and the entire city is being changed. The economy is going up like crazy. The crime rates are going down. People, he, he talks about people, when he first moved, people thought he was like a cult leader, and then they got to know him, and they met him and they were scared to let their kids be friends with his kids but then their kid his kids are they don't understand how his kids are the way they are and they're changing the school they're changing all these things in that city and to me that's revival it's not meetings every single night but it's it's us leaving from here changed transformed because an encounter in a space like this doesn't isn't what transforms you it's what what happens here sends you home to your bedroom and that changes the
0: way that you live. Yeah. Good. Come on. So we can figure out how revivals start, how they end. So why don't revivals start more often then? Why don't they start? What would stop a revival from coming?
5: Um, possibly the lack of hunger and thirsty for more. Um, even the Bible says that blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness that they will be what? Rise up on eagle's wings. <laughs> they will yeah. be filled. Be, I don't know. <laughs> um, but, um, um, but yeah, I think like it starts with hunger and thirsty. Like truly like hunger and thirsty. Like that um, I've, I've, I come from a culture that, that the worship, the worship band doesn't lead necessarily the people, but like there's such a hunger that like right up, right up, be, right before the service, things are happening, you know, like people are right in the presence. So there's, it's not the hard to like to get there you know what I'm saying because like there's such a like a hunger from the people and it's, I think it starts with what AJ was saying like like once we leave this place we cultivate in our secret place that makes sense
4: there was a revivalist back in the 60s or 70s or something or something like that and I can't remember his name off the top of my head but Someone that he, like, discipled and pastored and mentored asked him, or this guy that was mentored by him asked him once, like, why did so many people, and so they used to hold tent meetings, so they'd travel over, set up this big tent that thousands of people would come to every night, and they would fit in it, and so he asked this guy, he's like, why do so many people come to hear you talk and all the other people that were around at that time? And he's like, because none of you are that gifted. (laughs) Like, none of you are actually that good speakers, so why do people come? And he, the answer he said is, is what Raph was saying, because of the hunger. He said that people in that time, in that, in that day, wouldn't dare step foot in that tent if they hadn't um, been meeting with God that day and have expectation for what
0: God was going to do that and night. Could you imagine if church was like that in Canada? <laughs> well, haven't met with God yet, shouldn't go to church. We'd have nobody in church, I'm just kidding, <laughs> kind of. So why else doesn't it start?
4: I think we're waiting. We wait for somebody else to start doing what we want to see. Mm. And that's myself included. But we need to just, like I was saying, you're the revival and I'm the revival. So maybe we need to go out and be the revival.
6: I think some of it's cultural right now. Um, We were chatting before just about Instagram and everything is in a moment and in a quick experience that might flash within 30 seconds. But it's like, will you pursue God for 10 or 20 years? Like, Joseph was in jail for 13 years before he came out of it. A lady was reaching for her healing for 12 before she was healed. And I think that's where, like, the hunger piece comes. So we're waiting, but are we willing to get rid of, like, the quick instant and continuously pursue day after day and year after year for the things of God?
4: Yeah, Noah. Noah spent eighty years building the ark, and he only saw eight people saved. Yeah. He only saw seven, eight people, including himself, come on the ark with him. Um, so I think it goes kind of back also to like the previous question of why does it end? I think wrong focus. We're not we're not focused on the next generation. We're not focused on discipleship. I know with like previous revivals, it was all about like how many people can we get in the door and come to know Jesus, but then because of that, they were so focused on that, there was no follow-up, there was no discipleship, no pouring into the next generation. A lot of those people who've led revival in the past, their kids aren't even walking with the Lord anymore.
0: Yeah, that happened here at Tehillah 15 years ago-ish. In two years, they saw 6,000 people give their lives to Jesus, so basically come to the altar and say, I want to give my life to Jesus. Um, and then, basically, what you just said happened. We didn't focus on discipleship we i wasn't there i was, I was. yeah, Jen was Jen didn't focus on discipleship. jeez, Jen, come on, <laughs> she's having redemption with Tela ministry school now, so <laughs> one more chance lord li <laughs> uh, I know, I know, I know well, you know, never mind, <laughs> anyways um they. The, the leadership at the time, I talked to the, one of the leaders that was there, and they said, man, what are we going to do with this? And they, like, can we disciple these people? And they all said, we don't know how. We don't know how. And then it fizzled out. More people left the church angry, frustrated, disappointed, um, go down the list uh, because there wasn't that follow-up of discipleship. And I think that's, for me, a part of the piece why, I'm praying, Lord, don't pour it out. Because I would say, in my estimation, I don't know if the church is ready for that. I, don't, I, I just don't know. Well, one, I don't know if they're hungry enough for it. But two, I don't know if they're ready for it. Because if we see it again, if it happens again, I would just see the back door wide open right now in this point. Because we don't have that discipleship culture in the local church as maybe as good as we could have it. And I'm, I'll just speak for my church. I'm not speaking for every church. I know there's a lot of churches that do a lot of good discipleship in the city. But on the whole, across Canada, man, I, I just don't, I mean, what do you guys think? Do you think, we could, do you think we could steward the movement? Do you think we could, or should it be stewarded? Should we, like, do we have a part to play in, like, leading this movement? Or is it just God? Or what, like... What are, what are we supposed to do if, if a revival breaks out right now? What are we supposed to do?
2: Yeah, I think that there's an aspect of we'll never be ready, and we have to put things, protocol, for lack of a better word, in place um, to be ready. Um, leadership, ministry team, like getting, there are ways for us to be trained up, to look back, to see what happened, to know how to look forward, to see where God wants to take us. And I think that there's a way to be ready and to be open and and discerning of where God's taking us and and what he's doing. Um, And if we're not ready, or if we're not at least asking the question of where we want to go, it's when when it is poured out, because God will pour out, um, his spirit on his people, that 's a promise. So when those things are poured out, if we 're not ready, the wineskins will break. And so I think it's just understanding what can we do with what 's in our hands right now, and how can we do our part to be ready.: I
4: think um, the verse that came to my mind is Psalm 46,10 says he says be still and know that I am God I will be exalted among the nations I will be exalted in the earth I think we can prepare but we also we don't know when it could happen or if it's even happening right already like I think the key is to be still and know that he is God and I think that's that's one of the things that I would say should be focused on and and be dealt with differently than in past revivals where it's focused on the crowds, it's focused on the masses, it's focused on the signs and wonders rather than being still and knowing that he is God. And sending instead of having an altar call every night, sending people home and saying, hey, go be with God. Instead of trying to cultivate something here, send people home. Even if you have 6,000 people here one night and 10 of those people go home and spend that time with God, and then spend the morning with God and just wait on Him, they will start transforming their workplaces, their churches, their schools, their, wherever they are, they will start. And that's where it needs to, needs to come from, rather than, it needs to be sending, rather than bringing. And I don't know if you can necessarily plan for that. You can plan to have that idea, but at the end of the day, you just got to wait on him and see what he's saying.
3: Um, kind of like on that note, like what comes to mind for me is the story in Ezekiel 37, uh, the vision that Ezekiel has about the dry bones. And um, it kind of jogged my memory with the conversation that I was having with Ben Johnson, the, the lead pastor here. And I was... I was just kind of plucking his mind about a few things and specifically even talking kind of about revival. And um, he was talking to me about the idea of, um, I'll, maybe I'll just read it quickly. Like, so, God grabbed me. God's Spirit took me, took me up and set me down in the middle of an open plain strewn with bones. He led, he led me around and among them, a lot of bones. There were, there were bones all over the plain, dry bones, bleached by the sun. He said to me, son of man, can these bones live? I said, Master God, only you know that. And he said, He said to me, prophesy over these bones, these uh, dry bones. Listen to the message of God. Um, and then after that, he says, Watch this. I'm going to, I'm, uh, I'm bringing the breath of life to you, and you'll come to life. I'll attach, um, and it kind of goes through different things, and. Um, like kind of just talk, talking about what you're saying there, uh, James, like it can be a little bit, um, you know, obviously to look around the, at the state of the modern-day church. It's honestly not a very pretty sight. It's kind of like looking at a lot of dry bones, a lot of dead things. And um, what Ben Johnson had to say to me he's like, Daniel, like you see here that there's two instances where the bones like come up and then as God breathed the breath of life, the flesh came back on, and to m- what Ben had to say, and what I kind of took away from the conversation and from reading it is that like we can we can we can create structure, we can create um, certain protocols, like Nadia said, that are, will help us to be able to manage certain things. But when when the breath of life comes, when God like breathes His spirit into the situation, like those bones are the it's the it's the structure. It's, but it's not the be-all, end-all of everything. It's not, you know, the service order isn't the, necess- the necessary way that God's going to be moving through um, the church in, in Calgary and, and Canada. Um, and then I also just, it kind of goes back to a little bit of an earlier question, but, like, the fact that God in this vision is telling Ezekiel to prophesy, It's like, God, why wouldn't you just do it yourself? And there's just something about God who takes such delight in, like, doing this with His children and, like, bringing resurrection life back to the church that is acting like a widow and making it to act like a bride again. And, like, it's not just God's responsibility and it's not God's obligation. It's His desire and His heart to get to do that with us, with people, with sons and daughters who know their identity, who know their intimacy. And so, yeah, kind of tying up a few things.
6: I think there is a big piece, though, that has to do with stewardship and strategy and us. Like, stewardship is about taking care of your people. So we have all these kids that, like, came to camp in the last number of weeks. And so looking at, okay, how do we get them plugged into the local church? There's a... Great amount of people that come to Tehillah. So, James, even then looking at the Tehillah Ministry School, looking at how do we build character in people so that we can send you out, right? So, it's not like just come and gather and enjoy God, it's like you're thinking about how you're caring for the people. So, the people that come in, so God will like He can breathe on the dry bones. And then for me, I think that. Or I guess I would say even with the school, there is still that piece where we're looking at, okay, how can we help you be able to send you into the seven mountains for you to become the best teacher that you can be, that you can become the lawyer that God's called you to be, but you can impact your workplace where you are.
0: With the breath of God on your life,
6: with the breath of God on your life, with living in the Holy Spirit, with the gifts of the Spirit, with the anointing that He's given you, but your, the presence of God living in you, in wherever you are, and Him using you in all of those areas, including the church.
3: And it was no easy task. Those first students <laughs> it was a lot of work. <laughs> I'm Not kidding. true. They were great. They were amazing. I love you guys. <laughs> they were
6: amazing.
0: So then, why don't we stand? And uh, Raph, can you pray for us as we close? And uh, I think our encouragement is that we all got to wrestle with this question of revival. God, am I there? Am I hungry? God, am I being disciple? God, am I following after you? God, am I? Am I? Are you breathing your life through me, Lord? I'm praying for it. I'm asking for it. God, I want more of it. So, Father. Will you do that? So, Raph, you just want to prophesy over everybody as we send everybody out. Because that's the goal. We, the goal is not to have more meetings or to have bigger gatherings. The goal is to raise up more people and send people out. Because, again, there's a million, two million people in church on a Sunday. And we got 36 million people in Canada. So we got a lot of work to do. So, Raph, pray for us as we close. I apologize we couldn't get to every single question. Um, come chat after with any of us. We'd love to answer some of those questions. And next week, we got the amazing Cody preaching, and it's going to be amazing. So, um, Raph, pray for us as we
5: close. Yeah. <clears throat> Let's just close your eyes all across this room. Just close your eyes and just stretch your hands. Just stretch your hands as you receive something. Holy Spirit, we wait on you. We wait on you, Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you for history. As we look back, God, we thank you for what you have done. But God, we know that you have something new for this time for our our lives for our families for this generation for this city God for this nation and I thank you God for all the people that you have brought to this land You have called them, God, to this place. You have called them, God, to this city. And I thank you, God, because even tonight, God, even now, you are reminding us of your calling. You're calling us back again to your heart. You're calling us back to your
7: heart, to the deepest part of your heart, God. So, God, we receive more of your Holy Spirit. Even now, God. Even now, God, we receive more of your Holy Spirit. We receive more of your Holy Spirit. We say, have your way, have your way in our house, have your way in your church. We ask you, God, for a great awakening. Ask you for a great awakening of your church. We speak dreams, visions. We declare dreams and visions of your heart. We speak dreams and visions, God. We declare, God, that this will be a time that your church will rise up in boldness. That your church will rise up. That your church, God, not going to look in personal growth, God that even ourselves God that we will deal we are actually going to live in the desert in the wilderness God that we will actually live with the holy spirit God that you are actually empowering us to go to, out of this place God and be a witness and we thank you for your holy spirit and we say yes we say yes We say yes God. We don't want to duplicate. We don't want to replicate a move of God. We accept what you have for us. We accept what you have for Tehillah God. We accept what you have for our personal lives. We accept God what you have for our families God. We thank you for what you're doing at Bethel God. We thank you for what you're doing at song. We thank you for what you're doing God in different nations. But God we accept what you have for Canada God. We accept what you have for this nation. We accept what you have for this city, God. We speak dry bones live. We speak dry bones live even now. We speak the breath of God. We speak the breath of God even now. Wow. So God, even now, God, we thank you. For your Holy Spirit, we thank you for your promise. And we declare, God, that as we leave this place, that your Holy Spirit will minister in our hearts. That we'll be still, and we know that you're
5: God. In Jesus' name.
0: Before we leave, I feel like I have that. So First Corinthians 14, 12, tongues and tongues and interpretation. I, I what I felt like right before. That, I don't know who the person was, spoken tongues, but I felt like God, he's like something's about to shift. Someone's about to say something, a groaning happened. What I feel like the word is, word, word that God dropped in my heart from that is that he is coming and he's coming in the night. He's coming and he's coming in the night and he's coming quickly. And are you ready? Are you ready? Do you perceive, do you see what I am doing? Behold, I am doing a new thing. Do you see it? Are you ready? So Father, we just bless every single person in here that we would be ready for what you are doing, God. We would be ready. We wouldn't be distracted. We wouldn't be pulled away from your presence by distraction, God, but that we would be ready for what you want to do first in us, then corporately father would revival be birthed in us personally first god that we would be ready for what you were doing that we wouldn't be asleep father we pray for an awakening in your church we pray for an awakening in my heart in our hearts god that we would be ready god It's been said over Canada that the next revival that's going to come to Canada is going to be a nameless and faceless revival, that it's not going to be about one person or one church or one one significant meeting, but it's going to be a revival that just spreads, and it's going to be a people, a nameless and faceless revival. So with that being said, we bless you. Go out, grapple with this, wrestle with it. And let's believe and contend. And we invite you to contend with all of us here on stage and the leadership team at Tehillah for a revival in our city. Bless you guys. You. If anyone wants prayer, we're up at the front. If you don't know Jesus, we'd love to introduce you to him. We'll see you next week.